Broken trust can be healed, but it's not just time that's going to heal it. You need clear guidance about what to do and what not to do. I'm Jeff Stewart, licensed marriage and family therapist, and I've developed a free video course called The First Steps to Rebuilding Trust. This course will show you what's needed to begin healing after betrayal. I offer guidance for the betrayed partner as well as the partner who broke the trust. You can access it for free right now by clicking the link in the show notes. Young adults who are now in their 20s were born as the internet was gaining momentum. They have never known what it's like to live life offline. Some people have described them as the first group of digital natives. They are also the first generation who were able to stream pornographic videos before they even had their first kiss. And you know, this cohort of adults now, they've, they've heard the porn lecture since they were teens, and a lot of them know it's a problem. But they still have that big question of, well, now what? And it leaves them, a lot of them without answers. Well, Vanna Davis is my guest today. And she noticed that young people need more resources to help support each other since they were all swimming in the same polluted waters. Vanna was the former executive director for the Utah Coalition Against Pornography, also known as UCAP. And when she was there, she noticed a lack of resources specifically aimed at helping young adults know how to navigate these conversations amongst themselves. At the end of every UCAP conference, the president of UCAP, Pamela Atkinson, would invite all the audience members to share what they had learned in the conference with 10 additional people. Well, Vanna ran with this invitation, and she started a nonprofit organization called Reach 10. Reach 10, they reach out in two primary ways. They reach out online and share resources on their website and social media that help young adults and those who love them talk about pornography in more compassionate and effective ways. And they also reach out live. They're based in Provo, Utah, and they actually bring young adults together in groups and train them to speak on this issue and help them find opportunities to teach in their families, their communities, their friend groups. I'm really glad to have Vana on the show today. And we're going to talk today about how to strengthen our young adults and help them develop better ways of talking about these issues. Well, welcome to the podcast, Vana. It's great to be here, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yeah, so we're going to talk today in this episode about the difference between silence versus connection. Uh, you work with young adults. You work to help young adults uh, start conversations about pornography, mm-hmm. um, which is so different than um, I, I think maybe how you and I uh, you know, dealt with it as young adults. It was, wasn't being talked about. Right. (laughs) And so I don't remember a lot of people having conversations with me about this in my late teenage, early 20s. And so I I love what you're doing. And and so let's talk about that. Let's talk about if you can just share with me a little bit, where did this come from, this desire to to start working with young adults, to have them start talking openly about this and making this a more formal thing? Well, I have a real heart for young adults. All four of our children are grown up. They're young adults now. My husband serves as a bishop for a young single adult ward. And um, also, when I was director of Utah Coalition Against Pornography, I kept having these amazing young people contact me and say, I really want to get involved in this cause opposing pornography. What can I do to help? And I just felt like there wasn't very much for us to give them, you know, if they wanted to get involved. And so I started gathering some young people together, kind of in focus groups, and just listening to them, 
talk about what was their greatest needs um, on this issue of pornography. And as I heard them talk, I remember one young man when one of our meetings stood up and he said, well, we know porn is bad. Now what? <laughs> right. And, you know, so we don't need to convince certain young groups of people that they already know, but they just don't know what to do next. Right. It's still really hard for them to talk about. Surprisingly, pornography is so pervasive in our culture and it's a punchline to every joke, right? Oh, yeah. But we do not talk about the reality of pornography and how it ex affects people personally. And these young people just kept saying we still, you know, even among our friends, it's often hard to talk about. They come with a lot of baggage from the past. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, they are the first generation, these millennials, to have grown up with this easy access to internet pornography. So now they're living with the consequences. Um, their parents and leaders, and I include myself in this group, I'm a parent yeah. uh -huh. <laughs> of this age, and we didn't prepare them for this. So now they're living with something that wasn't their fault. They didn't create this situation, but now it's their responsibility to figure it out. Right, and I, I love what you're saying. They and they they have they feel a responsibility to do something with this instead of mm -hmm. just be told that it's bad. That right. that message is pretty worn out for this group of kids, at least uh -huh. in religious communities. Certainly in in you know our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. There's there's no question how we all feel about the issue of pornography. But mm -hmm. this, but this idea of okay, well, how do we talk about it now? What are we supposed to be saying about it? How do we, mm -hmm. right? That's really the question they're right. trying to figure out: is is how does it affect us? How do we protect ourselves? How do we uh, work with those or include those or deal with those that struggle with those that are tempted by it? Really, to take yeah. some of that shame and and scariness out of it. Right, and. So they know that pornography causes real problems in people's lives and in their relationships. But unfortunately, sometimes the way that we've handled it has made the problem even worse. So they want to be kind of the yeah. bridge generation to like, okay, here's this gap between what their parents and the culture taught them. And then they're looking to the future, their future families, marriages, and their children. And they want to be open and talking about this and creating real solutions. So we need to help them bridge these, these gaps that exist. Um, so that's how we kind of came up with our uh, focus on using courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, the silence, and fear that keep people isolated in pornography. Those are, that's the gateway. Like, I know that connection and talking is not the whole solution, but it is what keeps people from moving on to get help. So if we can open the door with these relationships and connection, then they'll be able to go, go further and help each other. Well, yeah, and I think that connection is – or the lack of connection, the rejection is, is tied into the biggest fear people have. Especially if there's been all these years, you know, um, of pornography is bad, it's dark, it's evil, um, mm -hmm. and what kind of a person will look at? I mean, these messages that it just have been so pervasive, then naturally someone is going to be terrified to admit that they are even tempted by it. 
Right. It's like everybody has to walk around pretending that they're just totally immune to it. And that's just not real. All of us <laughs> are affected by it. So, yeah, I agree that the courage helps you overcome the fear to talk about it. And once you start talking about it for yourself and even about how to help others, it, uh, it does provide traction. I completely agree with that. And it's not, mm-hmm. like you said, it's not, that doesn't fix it. But what it does, is it gives you a, a, an open door pathway to actually start healing. Um, and then that, you just continue that through that process, the connection. Right. You know, sometimes I like to remind people, why do we think it's harder to talk about pornography than live with the consequences of not talking? And if people understood and could see what happens to young people when they haven't had the preparation or the helping hand to get past this, like we would like have the courage, we'd get over these fears that we have of talking about it. I love that. That's so, it, it just makes so much sense when you say it that way. You almost want to smack your forehead. Right. <laughs> Why did it take us so long to get right. here? Right. So the internet has been in homes for 20 years and we are just starting to really make some traction. But you know what? I don't like to look too much in the past. You know, this pornography can seem like a weapon of destruction for this generation. There are people who feel like this generation is lost and they're not lost. Uh, Yeah, I don't agree with that either. I absolutely believe that overcoming this can become a tool of transformation, that they will become stronger and powerful as they figure this out. That's totally been my experience in working with young adults and even, you know, even older folks. I, I think that the people that really work through a recovery process become, they, they develop deeper integrity. Mm-hmm. They just seem more reinforced. They're more self-aware. They're aware of others. They, they just become really reinforced, healthy, strong individuals and great family members and, and spouses if they do the work. And it's, and it's precisely this, this problem of pornography that opens that door, gives them a reason to dig deep. Right. And so addressing shame is kind of the first step. Shame really shuts people down. Yeah. And we know, you know, this simple definition of shame says, I am bad, whereas guilt says, I am doing something bad. Mm -hmm. And when people internalize that who they are is bad, they don't, we we don't feel like we can change who we are. We do feel like we can change our actions. And research shows that shame just shuts people down. It it erodes their motivation to change. And so um, we have a saying that shame hurts, love heals. Shame always hurts. We can always do better at validating people, listening to them, appreciating what is still good about them, even if they have struggles. Um, And love is always involved in healing. Now, you can't fix someone else by loving them, but you can certainly help the process of recovery. But actually, the greatest uh, need for love in healing is to love yourself and feel like you're worthy and, and capable of change. Yeah. So, you know, shaming. Um, I, I heard this story from a mom. Mm-hmm. And she had a son who was now in college and he had struggled with pornography all through his teenage years, actually started when he was in elementary, as many young people do. 
And he just wasn't making any progress. And he came home for a break from college. And before he left, she would sat him down and she was talking to him. You know, you need to go to a counselor and here's some books you can read. And she was just talking at him, right? And the whole time he was just looking down at the floor. No response. And finally, in a little frustration, she said, do you have any questions for me? And he was silent for quite a while. And finally, he looked up at her and he said, what do you think of me? Oh, my. I mean, that is what I've heard over and over in various ways from young adults. That's the first question. That is their first fear. Uh What do you think of me? Do you still love me? Right. Are you going to reject me because I have been caught up in this problem? Right. They feel so broken from this. Right. And that's their biggest fear. Mm-hmm. So to really, really your message as you're talking with young adults and helping parents even talk to their young adults, uh, married or single, right, is mm-hmm. is to really lead out with reaffirming their worth and value to you. Oh, it's so important. You have to start with that. Mm-hmm. And do not let a problem like pornography define them, not in your mind or in theirs. That's so one-dimensional. They're still the same person and they still have so many good things. And for you to recognize those good things and call them out to them, hey, you're such a creative person. You're so kind. I I noticed this moment when you were helping someone else. You have uh, such talent in this area. You know, just reaffirming that they have a bright future and that they can get past this. Right, that they're a whole person that happens to have this struggle versus they are the problem. They are a struggle. They are this, right? right? And so mm-hmm. so people who know them and love them and, and, and have been with them on their whole life journey are really in a powerful position to point out to them who they really are because they'll forget it. The pornography and the shame of it uh, the shame from the pornography use, the mistakes, and and the, mm-hmm. the, that kind of isolation is going to convince them that they're someone they're not. Right. You know, and when we talk about shame, you know, we can do a lot to help each other get past shame. We can, I, if there's anything I could get people to think about is to think ahead. What if someone ever tells you, hey, I'm struggling with pornography? Mm-hmm. What will be your first reaction? Could it be, thank you for telling me? Like, just have that be the first thing that comes out of your mouth. And then, you know, that could change the whole feeling of the conversation that comes after that. Right. Imagine that. Just even for a moment, listeners, I want you to think about this. I mean, what what you're saying, Vaughn, is imagine almost like a role play in your mind. Mm -hmm. Someone you love, a child, um, a dear friend comes to you and says... I'm struggling with this or this comes up Mm -hmm. and what would your first response be? And you're saying, Vana, you're saying, imagine if you could say to them, thank you so much for trusting me with this. You matter Mm -hmm. to me. Like Mm -hmm. I care so much about you. Right. Like just to really affirm the connection, thank them, validate them, love them right on the spot. And that defines and really sets up the rest of the conversation. Yes. Yeah. And that doesn't, you know, we don't want to ignore that the person hearing this is going to have feelings too, right? And so there's a time for both parties to listen to how each other is feeling 
and accept that. And someone who's struggling with pornography also needs to listen to that as well. But, you know, starting out with love and leading with the love is going to really open up the door to a more heartfelt and trusting conversation. Yep, I agree. And I'm just going to throw, as, as a marriage counselor, I'm going to throw in one uh, qualifier, which I know you're aware of, Vana, which is <laughs> this is this is better advice really for parents with children or mm-hmm. friends. Right. Um, this is, this is often, uh, can be really hard or it really could even put a lot of pressure, be harmful for, you know, a, a spouse to right. feel like they have to just ignore the betrayal, the trauma, the feelings of, of deception and those kinds of things. <laughs> That's another podcast for another day. Right. <laughs> but it's absolutely <laughs> right. But recognize that we're talking about young adults who are working with leaders and parents and friends and mentors and others who they're going to probably speak to first. Uh, if they're single, if they're married, that you may still be the first person they talk to to open up about this. Mm-hmm. And our, our responses out the gate um, will go, things will go so much, we'll set them up for a better recovery journey uh, mm-hmm. by affirming their worth and value to us and reminding themselves of who they are. Right. And, and, this is a good time to bring up the idea of shame shifting, which is blaming someone else for shaming you. (laughs) And as I said, people have feelings and we need to validate everyone's feelings. And um, so I overheard a conversation at one of our young adult meetings with some young young men talking about a survey. And on the survey, uh, girls expressed that they would rather date someone who had a drug problem or a former drug problem than someone who had ever seen pornography. Okay. Now, the boys, of course, were frustrated with this because from their view, it makes them feel like damaged goods. Like yeah. they're, they're worthless and have no hope of ever having a good relationship because the girls are going to reject them no matter what. At the same time, like then shifting the blame to these girls for reacting that way is not healthy either because the better question is, why are they reacting that way? What have we done or what experiences have they had that have led them to that fear? Yeah. So, you know, they may, unfortunately, (laughs) this goes back to where sometimes we've made the problem worse by the way we handle it. When church leaders or parents have told girls never date or never consider marrying someone who has ever had a pornography problem, or um, girls may have had some kind of sexual abuse of their own in the past, that's more common than we think. They may have seen the effects of pornography in their own home. I mean, there are a lot of reasons that that fear may be there and so we need to be empathetic to where they're coming from as well and the point is for all of us to be more compassionate and listening to each other about what's going on i love that right there's just not some free pass a guy gets that says hey don't shame me right <laughs> it's not going to work exactly because yeah. you know they they've triggered something in, in another person even even a leader or a friend or a parent who may feel scared or frustrated or mm-hmm. hopeless or exasperated and that's still not a reason not to be honest and talk about it. Because mm-hmm. I, th- I think, in my experience, so, someone who struggles with pornography, their willingness to stay in a conversation about this 
actually creates more safety and connection because it shows this mm-hmm. person has insight, they have compassion, they're they're engaged in a process, they're protective. There's just a lot of things that come out of their willingness to stay in it instead of, like you said, just shifting it off and saying, well, I'm never going to date somebody who's not going to be compassionate immediately about my right. pornography problem. <laughs> I mean, it goes right. both it's a ways. learning process for all of us. Both people have to make room if if we're going to go anywhere with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. And ultimately, shame resilience is the goal. So truly, no one can shame you without your permission. And so we really also need to speak this message of like, if someone reacts to your disclosure with negative emotions like fear, blaming, anger, then to step back a little and realize, hey, that's telling me more about where they're coming from than it is about me necessarily. Right. And maybe get curious and empathetic with that person. It, depending on the relationship, maybe you can ask them, hey, where this is a strong feeling. Can you, I'd like to understand where that's coming from. Um, so Which is we why, really yeah. hold the power of whether we are shamed or not. Yeah, I love that. And I think that I think that if you're going to be talking about your, your struggle with somebody, it's good to have practice talking with it, talking about it with a few people. Oh yeah. So <laughs> that, so that you're not putting all that pressure on one person to give you the perfect response every time. Oh yeah. And so I think <laughs> in my experience, having a few people that know your story that you can talk to, you know, at any given day, one of them is not going to be in a in a rough place to shame you back. And so you're right. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have to give people permission to ultimately shame us. Uh, and I think that, I think that when you have more practice with it, you become more shame resilient. You become, mm-hmm. you know, better at being able to face your own story and handle other people's reactions and stay curious and open and ask questions and just keep the dialogue going mm-hmm. with different people. So yeah, that's great. And no one's going to be perfect at that right exactly. away. So. And no more self-shaming because you're not doing it right. <laughs> Just stay in it. Just keep talking. Yeah. Keep trying. So with Reach 10, uh, you know, you talked about these focus groups or these groups where you started listening to young adults in the beginning. What does Reach 10 look like now? It, tell me, you know, it's – I know you have a website and, and you do speaking engagements. So what, what exactly are you doing? What does it look like? How are you, how are you trying to take these – these points, the things we're talking about now, how are you getting them out there? What are you doing with them? Right now we have a meeting once a month in the in Provo. So um, we, we gather young adults together and we are preparing them to actually give a specific presentation. Um, and we did a survey of young adults and we said, which of these topics would you be most comfortable and most interested in walk, you know, coming to a presentation about? And we found out that a presentation on helping young adults become parents who can talk more openly about pornography was the top one. Oh, yeah. Because if they walk into that, there's no, like, feeling of, like, oh, I'm – admitting that I'm struggling if I walk in here because, you know, they all, um, they all want, are looking forward to their families and, you know, preparing to be a better parent is a great way to open the conversation. And then we can talk about oh, yeah. all kinds of things within that conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's a great bridge. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what we're, um, 
doing basically is helping them prepare for that. And it can be like, then it's their responsibility to go within their church or within their um, maybe university classes or their community and find opportunities to speak. But really the, I think the biggest power is if they just get small groups together of other young people like their roommates or their friends and say, hey, let's get together and talk about this or within their families. Are some so, doing that? Yeah. So yeah. one uh, girl, her name is Chriselle, um, started and she was doing little discussions on how to talk about pornography with people you're dating. And she would just get groups of friends at her home. She did this regularly. And then she went on a study abroad to Israel and kept doing it over there and trained at like 70 other young adults at this study abroad on this. And she just said, like, they love coming and talking about hard things. Like, finally, let's get beyond, you know, porn is bad and let's talk about what we can do. Wow, Next. just really empowering them to know what mm-hmm. solutions and what resources are available and even how to talk about it, preparing yeah. them for other – 70 people? Right. That's amazing. And, and then some of these people would go on to do it themselves. Yeah. So it's a right? I love that. So that's, so, that's why we focus on okay. this teaching because we feel like they can – they want to hear from each other. Like yeah. they're tired of hearing us talk to them, right? <laughs> and they do a better uh, job anyway talking to each other. There's a lot of power in that. Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. So, p- people that live outside of Utah County, out of Provo, um, how mm-hmm. can they how can they access these resources? Mm-hmm. So, our website has some good things on it. Of course, reach10.org, and uh, we have social media accounts they can follow. You know, our our hope over time is to record some of these young adults giving their presentations or sharing their thoughts so that people can access those and, okay. and share them. But we're not quite at that point yet. We're pretty new. <laughs> okay. But the idea essentially is to uh, give give young people permission, a platform, resources to to start talking mm-hmm. about it and really just, yeah. just encourage them to – to just have the courage and initiative to go out and start talking about this in informal and formal settings so that they can change the conversation. They can move it from this is bad to here's what we can do. Here's what to look for. Here's how to help and support. Here's how Mm -hmm. we carry people forward with this. Right. I mean, that's really what you're trying to do is just give people a place to prepare themselves to then go out and say more about it in a, in a more uplifting and effective, you know, empowering way. Right. Here's another story I love. Like one of uh-huh. our Reach 10 young men, um, he got invited by his family to speak at their family reunion. Apparently they have a tradition of a cousin university where the cousins teach each other. Oh, that's cool. And they asked him to speak about healthy sexuality and pornography. And he taught his cousins about this. And like, how awesome is that? Because now within their family, they have, where they already have relationships, um, they know they had this modeled, like we can talk about this and kind of opened up that conversation. And these cousins now have someone that they know they can turn to who, who's a safe person to talk to. Right, who's built into their system. And right. it's not some outsider who's going to parachute in, say a few things and then disappear. So Right, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay, that's great. So this is fabulous. I want I want all of my listeners, you know, a lot of you don't live in 
in Provo. And I, I hope you'll go to reach10.org. It's reach and then the number 10.org and look up some of the resources on there. And in the same way that you, Vana, that you started this, other people can do the same thing. There's there's nothing mm-hmm. proprietary about any of this. You just can uh, right. start having conversations, but, but find good resources and really shift the conversation from, um, you know, the tired argument that of trying to prove that porn is bad, moving it to a place of here's how we talk with people. Here's how we support people. Here's, here's some things we just probably ought to understand about this as we're raising our own children and building families and communities. And it's just really such a rich, open topic to, to, to get into. It involves shame. It involves connection. It involves relationships, all kinds of things. And it's not just about talking about the, the forbidden, dark, dirty pornography. It's about people. It's about relationships. It's about all these other things that I think are quite interesting to talk about, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. So much power in there for these young people yeah. to change change what's happening. You know, they, you know, and I, we have to be cautious about using the word victims. But when I think back to how they got started, almost all of them as little kids with no one around them helping them. Yeah. You know, certainly choices along the way, but, you know, here they are. This is a situation. What can we do to help them out of it? Right. They they were put into a situation that most most people would struggle to succeed in, right? Right. I mean, the you know, I often tell my my sons, I have teenage boys. I I tell them I'm like, "Look, I didn't have a personal computer equivalent in my pocket at 13, mm-hmm. 14 years old." And so right. I don't know what that would have been like to not have mm-hmm. my brain fully developed and to have that access and that power. Um, it's just a very different landscape. And so for us to be able to, to give them real solutions and conversations and permission to talk about the struggle, to talk about um, a way out and, and to feel connected, that's just such a gift to young people all over. So I love this. I, I'm just so glad that you've set this up and are trying to build this community so that people can be prepared and, and educated and go out and spread the word and and actually have productive conversations about this. Great. So next time you and I visit for our next episode, I do want to talk about dating more specifically. So we'll uh, we'll sign off now, but I uh, next time mm-hmm. we talk, I, I I want to get into more specifics about this very difficult, dynamic, fragile, right, sensitive issue of mm-hmm. how do you bring up talking about pornography with someone you're dating? How do you talk about this when the stakes feel really high? Right. It's definitely a hot topic with young people. Okay. Thanks, Vana. We'll catch you next time. Thank you, Jeff. I encourage you to follow Reach 10 on all the social media platforms, and you can also go to their website at reach10.org. That's reach10.org. They have lots of great articles, resources, and tips on how to talk about these issues in a more compassionate and sensitive way. And like I said earlier, next episode, I'm going to have Vana back, and we're going to talk about dating and how to have those conversations, those difficult conversations about pornography with the person you're dating. So look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.